everyone, welcome back to the Be More podcast, where we try to inspire you to be a little bit more of every role within the Salesforce community. This time, we are talking Be More nonprofit, and I'm joined today by Emma. So, Emma, are you able to start by introducing yourself for our audience, please? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Tom. So I'm Emma Keeling and I am a non-profit Salesforce consultant. Um, I'm the founder of Hazel Dean Solutions and we are a very small partner in the Salesforce ecosystem. And I'm also leader of the Midlands non-profit user group. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. So for this episode, we're, we're talking about being more non-profit. So I guess we're kind of personifying a, a non-profit consultant. So bearing that in mind, how would you describe the role of a non-profit consultant for our audience? What does that typically entail? What I generally find is it's working with people in the non-profit sector. So as opposed to organizations who are working to make a profit, you're working with organizations who are generally trying to further a cause you know, they're trying to deliver a mission, they might be fundraising, or they could be um, managing programs. So, you know, they're, they're trying to further that cause, or it could be that they're grant makers. So they could be, you know, delivering grants. So they kind of come in all different shapes and sizes, particularly sizes, you know, right down to the tiny little small nonprofits. And they're the ones I love to work with, but right up to the bigger nonprofits as well. On a typical project, how does your role interact with other roles? What other roles might be involved in a project? So it really varies. So for me, I don't do a huge number of implementations. I often work on existing solutions that are already there, and I work with the end client to develop that. I also have worked on new installs. And one I did with a very small nonprofit. So actually that just needed from a Salesforce side, me. And then their side, it needed kind of their, all their decision makers, people who were going to use the system, the end users to really understand what are we building and, you know, how do we, how do we need it to work and what are the kind of minimum viable product type things we need to get in there. I've equally recently just literally went live a couple of weeks ago where I got to do a really interesting project because I was on the client side working with another partner. So I got to work with, so I got to work with Give Clarity. So I was basically approached to say, would you be happy to work on this project? You know, would, would you do this as a project manager role? And I was like, ooh, I'm like, if give clarity or have me there, <laughs> you know, and they were really happy to have me there. And that worked really well. So I that's been really interesting for me. So I've been kind of on the client side, mm -hmm. but kind of being able to do almost an in-between role of sort of helping triage stuff through, sense checking stuff from both sides, and yeah. then sort of adding value to that, which has been really nice. And then in that project, we had so give clarity gave us um, we had a project manager. We had a lead consultant. Yeah. We had another functional consultant. We also had a technical architect, because to give clarity, we've got technical architects. We had a couple of developers in the background. They did the odd little bit when we needed a little bit of code. They stepped in, give clarity, have a couple of like quick starts of things like consent. So they stepped in with that, which was really good, and also helped with things like say I'd experience cloud going live as well. And then 
from the client side, I, my official title during the project was project manager. Mm-hmm. However, it was sort of project manager slash Salesforce consultant slash taskmaster slash whatever. And then from the client, we had um, we had somebody who dealt with kind of all the data. Mm-hmm. We had um, somebody who really was the project sponsor, but he actually did, to be fair, almost everything. I would not normally say to run a project like that. He was definitely on the risk register. um because there was like "Mm," but he was amazing and really good he had a really great understanding of how their database was already set up so he he actually ended up dealing with a lot of the data he was going to outsource it and had somebody who'd previously worked on their old crm Mm -hmm. and actually this guy then kind of didn't materialize so he was able to step in and do that which was fantastic and then we had sort of we had each main team so we had fundraising and programs really we had kind of a head person from each of those and marketing stiff marketing cloud and we had a head person from there so that's kind of how we slotted everybody in and it kind of went you know up and then at the top we had sort of almost like the pms from either side to me and then ada from give clarity kind of came together so yeah it was really interesting it was it was an amazing project i'd I'd do it all again awesome and maybe for our audience you could touch on a little bit of the different elements of nonprofit cloud and in particular, like with that example, if you're able to share which features you you used or didn't use. People who are in the nonprofit world in Salesforce are probably already aware of the fact that Salesforce have recently released their nonprofit cloud, yeah. not to be confused with the SKU name that they previously used, which was sales and service with MPSP on top, program management module on top, outbound funds on top, accounting sub-ledger on top. Mm. They've released their nonprofit cloud. Now, that went MVP spring of this year. And then fundraising is only coming out in the next release in a couple of weeks, probably around the time this goes live. So that product isn't necessarily right for everybody. And there's still people installing MPSP. So what you historically had was the nonprofit success pack, which has been around for, and I'm not going to get the dates right, and someone's going to listen to it and be like, what? But a long time, let's say. And that's been being installed and it's had different versions. And that was traditionally run by Salesforce.org. Salesforce.org got acquired by .com. And so we're now at the point where nonprofit cloud is actually being built on core. So we're going to get loads of the functionality from industry. So things like Omni Studio is one of them, which is going to be built in person mm. accounts. Yeah. We won't talk about those, although uh, anybody who gets to listen to Chase Schultz talk about what he wrote a blog article on why he hated them and now he advocates for them. That's incredible. He's a great guy. Nonprofit Cloud is very new. A lot of people haven't installed it yet to be fair. And they're not, we're not really advocating for people to necessarily migrate because at the moment it's a full migration and you've, you're going to lose functionality probably at the moment that you'd already got, not necessarily gain, depends what your use case is, but generally that's where they're at. And they're starting to work up parity between the two. Project I've just done and historically done have all been nonprofit success pack built on top of sales and service. So you've got the joy of service, you know, sales cloud, service cloud you've got you know your opportunities your contacts your accounts your cases all of that good stuff and then you've got mpsp built on top which brings in the functionality of things like households which are effectively they're just accounts 
which bring together contacts. You've got things like recurring donations because you kind of need that sort of functionality to be able to do fundraising. You've got products like PMM, which is the program management module, um, which is another managed package. Got outbound funds for those who are doing grants that are going out. So a lot of that is now all being converted. And it depends. I would definitely say if your if your programs or grants or case management, new nonprofit cloud is very, very promising. Fundraising, I think we've got some more gaps to fill before that's like the go for it. I guess with every every new Salesforce product or cloud, it takes a couple of releases to kind of settle in. Absolutely. And I think that's the other thing. I think it's challenging for nonprofits who want to start now mm. because they're not into a project. The project I've just worked on has taken 15 months to go live. So it's that thing of, well, what are we going to get? You know, we're starting to, we're looking at roadmaps, but obviously forward-looking statement, please buy based on readily available features, causes a little bit of a challenge there, right? Because you're looking at it and you're like, well, I can't be guaranteed that what I need is going to be there. But but there's some great conversations going on and, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to kind of make it clear what is on the roadmap and what is more of a, that's definitely a future thought, let's wait. Mm. Yeah, and it was a little bit controversial that they kind of put it under the industry's banner as well, right? So, yeah, I think I'm, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, but last November when it was announced, at least it was announced to partners all under NDA. And mm. that was really difficult. So I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of an install with this nonprofit, knowing they're installing MPSP and going, oh, my God, what does this mean? Yeah. And initially... We didn't really know what it meant. I'd literally just come back, come back from Dubai. I'd been on holiday in Dubai. It was my first day back in work. Joined this partner call and it was like, what? We're doing what? Mm. And I think even, you know, for any of us who are consultants, this is a big change. And we've also got to now have all that historical knowledge to support existing clients. And we've got to learn whole new products that then we're the experts in. Yeah. So, you know, I think Salesforce are really trying now. I think we we gave them loads of feedback, particularly around it being under NDA. I'm actually attending Nonprofit Dreaming at the end of this month. So I'm actually, I'm going to Chicago and I'm going to the Open Source Commons Community Sprint. And then I'm going to Nonprofit Dreaming. And I think for me, it's the first time I've met so many of these rock stars in the ecosystem. I just, I can't wait. There are so many people I can't wait to meet. Um, but equally, I think that's going to be a really good time to actually talk to people about, okay, we're like a year on almost. Mm. Where are we at? How do we feel? You know, and there's already people talking about how do we sit down and figure out the way through some of this? You know, how do we enable, you know, I, I'm, I've got great love for the small nonprofits. People like Michael Clodner's in the same same space. He's like, you know, how do we... People struggle now to understand that contacts go in a household. Like when we roll out to these small nonprofits, they can be like, oh, what? And now the whole, what they're calling the party group model, I believe, or the group party model, I can never get it right. But <laughs> it's it's quite, com it's complicated. You know, it's complex, which is maybe great. It's great for the bigger nonprofits, but how do we tailor that down and not give them too many options? And they're talking about how do we do that as a collective. So 
if I need to do that for my client, maybe Michael does the same, maybe so-and-so does the same, and we all follow a similar path because what we don't want is to customize it. I do think that the new nonprofit cloud is going to be a little bit more out the box. It's going to be a little bit more out the box and have things that are ready. I'm quite excited because I've been invited to a technical enablement. Um, so I think Salesforce are doing what they can do, but you know, it's, it's a learning curve. And you look at the technical enablement they want us all to do while we're all still managing our existing clients. And I have that little bit of, it's not necessarily just the time to find to do it, but it's knowing that I'll remember it. <laughs> because yeah. I'm a little bit like, it's great. I can go away and learn all of this. So I spent early on because it was very PMM and grants. Mm. I was a bit like, I can go and do all this enablement, but I'm not going to touch a nonprofit cloud, PMM, grants, org for probably quite a long time. Yeah. So shall I go and do all the learning now or shall I just do? And what I've done generally is just done the overview. I know what it does. I know how similar it is. I've got a good idea of the features, but I've not really learned it. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I think over time as well, it'll be interesting to see what other kind of elements or components they not necessarily borrow, or but just use from other industry clouds as well, like picking on financial services cloud that has that great like relationship map and you can see everybody yes yes so the the arc relationships look brilliant now what's interesting about those is you know that's fantastic particularly when you're dealing with a lot of philanthropy and you know high level fundraising brilliant a lot of the nonprofits I work with are dealing with a lot of individual givers. They're not looking at those relationships and it's very different. And I know Salesforce have now approached the fact we've got mass market, but I think there's still that all organizations are individuals, right? So it's really difficult to know what will work. And I think the ARC piece looks great. I think some, in, some organizations are going to be like, that's amazing. And some organizations are just going to be like, why would I spend all my time putting information like that in there? Who's going to use it? You yeah. know? And so I think that, but I'm hoping, like you say, one of the big, let's say, promises is, well, we're going to benefit from other industries pushing stuff forward. And I do think that that is great. I just want to caveat this for anybody who listens to it and goes, oh my God, MPSP, it's <laughs> going away. It's not. It's not. They are committed to keeping the product alive and fed and watered. And we've also been told that there should be some stuff coming out. I'm, I don't think it'll be spring. I think it'll be summer that we might get a couple of the things that really need resolving in MPSP. I think there's going to be a few high level fixes in there, but it's not going to get mass new development. And I used to be a product manager, so I can talk about this. Okay. Things eventually they go on to a we just keep it ticking over we keep it fed and watered and then eventually they end of support yeah. and eventually the end of life but what i will point out here is done this for a number of the historical mpsp versions and there are still non-profits using them you yeah. know it doesn't mean they turn it off it just means that at some point you email into support and they go sorry oh, yeah. sorry i can't help with that you know but I think that's a long, long way off. We've still, there are still 10, I think there's, there's over 10,000 organizations on MPSP. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a long, long way off. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So kind of moving on to next line of questioning, if I may. Sure. Your your role in terms of as a nonprofit consultant, do you just 
exclusively work with nonprofits or do you do other types of clients as well? How does how does that work? And how do others, I guess, do it too? Are they just exclusive to nonprofits or how does that work? I think it varies. I mean, you look at some of the consultancies. So let's take Give Clarity. They focus on nonprofits. I now pretty much focus on nonprofits. And the main reason being is I love working with nonprofits. My background was hospitality. I became self-employed. I used to work for the Intercontinental Hotels Group. And I became self-employed um, in January 2020. Then that awful thing called COVID happened, right? And all of a sudden, all the hotels closed. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Ooh, it was really fun time to be at. But equally, I was desperate to break away from the hospitality space. My heart wasn't in it. I was doing it because I knew how to do this. And I have done a little bit of hospitality work since. I did one piece of work with a hotel group that's big in the UK, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think that was more to do with the team that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have touched a couple of other for-profits I don't mind doing some of the let's say bread and butter nice small client who just wants a bit of help do you know what give me a salesforce essentials install one of my favorite installs the challenge you've got if you you know kind of try and span too many areas is you don't have the knowledge right so I work with a for-profit in hospitality I do some of their bread and butter type stuff but then they'll ask me things. They've also got Service Cloud. I don't know much about Service Cloud. I have another nonprofit who does use it, but it was all done and they're happy with it. So I don't really have to touch it. So that can become really challenging. You know, and Salesforce is so wide that kind of I had to also make a bit of a decision of like, I, I kind of need to specialize in here because I've already said I've now got two lots of nonprofit stuff to learn, right? Like that's enough. And then you add everything else on. And I think you also have to know, understand the lingo. Mm. So, you know, things like what's a soft credit? What's a hard credit? What's a, you know, allocation? How do you, how, what's gift aid? You know, anybody in the UK, what's gift aid? How does that work? Even things down to like I've learned about direct debits. And actually, I think the more you can specialize in those things, even within nonprofits, I do far more fundraising work than anything else. I do a bit of programs. Yeah. Never done grants or case management. And I think if I did, I would probably try and find an organization who I've either already worked with or somebody who's moved, somebody I could spend some time with to really understand the process if you don't understand the business process you don't understand what solutions fit it and then you can't configure those solutions any further in fundraising things like a legacy donation is very different to you know your person who's donated five pounds on the website so it's kind of learning all of that and then within the non-profit you have to learn all the ways they do things right because they don't all do things the same non-profit example we have an account but we don't have an actual primary contact. All we know is, is that we have to email grants at company.com. Right. Okay. Well, that's great because we stick that on the account and we can't then send them a campaigns email. What do we do? And I'm thinking we're going to have to create a contact and that's all a bit messy. So I just went and asked my friends in the nonprofit Slack that I'm in and they said, yeah, that is the answer. And then one guy, a guy called Bobby Wright, give him a shout out. Bobby said, yes, that is how you're going to have to do it. It's not pretty, but send me a video. 
on oh. basically built a flow. He's like, this is how I always do it. He said, you you create a new account, you have your account field, you fill it in with the email address. It creates this proxy contact. You can put them on your campaigns. I set it up so no one can edit this contact. And if you ever update it on the account, the account email, it'll auto update it for you. And I was just like, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> like, thank you. That's what we're going to do. So I think back to your point, Tom, yeah, I think there are ways you can navigate the way. And I think with the right people around you to just be like, there's somebody else who's done this, right? And they're like, yes, like we've got so-and-so who's done this, or we've got some technical enablement, or we've got this and that's great, fantastic. Um, also, I would say, do what you enjoy. I always said I'd never work in financial services, ever. Mm-hmm. I was asked to do a maternity leave cover a couple of years ago, doing just, it was project management. It was meant to be for a couple of days a week, three months. I absolutely hated it. I don't want to be there to, to make people loads more money. To back it up, you've got Lionheart Astro in the background as well. Oh, absolutely. It does casually just just sit. Just casually sitting there, minding his own business on the shelf. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you've got a team of roofs behind you as well. I have got a team of roofs. So I've actually uh, got another three hiding out. So they are they are community swag. Um, I will do a little plug here for my non-profit user group. So non-profit Midlands user group, it's totally virtual. But I would just say, please don't let the name put people off. If you want to come because, you know, you don't want to be traveling into London and you don't want to be traveling because it's Manchester and this Scotland user group in Dublin. You know, we still appreciate that people can't always get there face to face, right? As much as it's so nice to see people in person, it's just not always possible. And also we have different topics. So, you know, if you see a topic that you're interested in, feel free to come along. Anybody's welcome. I get a few people who say, oh, well, I'm in Wales, so I'm not in the Midlands. I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, I'm not picky. I'm not going to kick you out. Come along. Um, We're generally EMEA focused, but equally we've had people from the Americas come um, which is great. We've had people even from the Americas come and present. So please do. Geography is not a boundary anymore when you have Absolutely it. not. And you too could win a roof. <laughs> so, you know, come along, win some swag. We'd love to have you there. And I mean, if you feel like that way inclined, we're talking about geographies now, but if you come to the London Architect User Group, we have some swag for you too. Yeah. Absolutely. And- Everyone should go to that as well. Time to debunk a myth. Is there kind of a myth or like an old wife's tale or something about being kind of non-profit in the Salesforce ecosystem that you'd like to clarify or kind of debunk at all? Do you know what? Y- yes, actually. What I'd say is, please don't try and go and get your experience by volunteering at a non-profit. So if you don't have Salesforce on-hand experience, Please don't just offer yourself up to the nearest nonprofit. Barbara Christensen, who leads the Commons nonprofit video group, mm-hmm. Barbara posted the other day on Twitter saying, you know, she's she's works at a consultancy and she's had to do yet another nonprofit who's come and said, oh, we've had a volunteer in and they've built all this stuff and it doesn't work. They broke stuff and now they're having to pay their way out of it. So what I would say is, you know. There's trailhead badges that tell you all about how to get experience and what to do and what not to do. And they call out in there, do not go to a nonprofit. Don't get me wrong. Go to a nonprofit and help input data in a Salesforce system. I know somebody who did that because that taught them 
how Salesforce works from a user perspective. Great, that helps. Go and spend time maybe pulling some reports for them. Help them maybe identify where some of the gaps are and where they can grow. Go and play maybe in a developer org, but please don't put stuff in production because it can really have detrimental effects. And then that poor nonprofit has to pay their way out of it when you press the wrong button. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, they're not a playground. You wouldn't go and do that with a for-profit. So don't see a non-profit because they allow volunteers or somewhere you can just play. And I guess with a non-profit, you could potentially have kind of bigger consequences than for-profit, right? Sometimes. Well, absolutely. Because where you can look at it is a for-profit can probably afford to buy their way out of it. Whereas a non-profit potentially, you know, those funds are limited. They've got trustees they've got to explain themselves to and the charities commission in the uk for example if you you monumentally break something that could have you know big impact okay so it's been great to have you on the show today and hopefully between us we've inspired people to be a little bit more a non-profit so that's awesome before i do let you go is there a way for people to connect with you you mentioned your user group already to be inspired and Perhaps is there a way for people to join that community you mentioned on um, Slack? Yeah, okay. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn and I'm still on Twitter, whatever that's called. The other place you can get lots of help is also Ohana Slack. So if you're Mm -hmm. in Ohana Slack, there are non-profit channels and there's lots of people in there who are willing to answer questions as well. Also, Trailblazer community, what was so Power of Us as such, as was, Power of Us yeah. was no more, but that's still there and there are still people actively answering questions on there. Awesome. And I'll be sure to put those links in the video description as well. Yeah, hopefully, as I say, we, we inspire some people together to be more non-profit. So thanks for your time. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Be More with Tom Bassett. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave any feedback in the comments.